Welcome to your Walt Disney World dream vacation. You know, there's a lot to do here. So you're thinking, hmm, what to do first? How about watch this show? Guess who? Yup, just called to tell you I still don't know why I called. But I'm thinking about it. Soarin' to tower. We are ready for takeoff. W-W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 683, and together, as we have since 2005, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video, events, blog, and so much more. Please be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find everything else at www.radio.com. Walt Disney's love of America immediately made its way into the Disney parks, originating in Disneyland from the very beginning and continuing to Walt Disney World and all the parks around the world. And this week, we're going to look at 10 of the many ways the Disney parks have celebrated America. Then stay tuned for our Disney trivia question of the week and more updates at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. America did not exist. Four centuries of work, bloodshed, loneliness, and fear created this land. We built America, and the process made us Americans. A new breed, rooted in all races, stained and tinted with all colors. A seeming ethnic anarchy. Then, in a little time, we became more alike than we were different. A new society. Not great but fitted by our very faults for greatness. I love America. My family loves America. My dad loved this country. And Walt Disney did as well. And because this week, America is celebrating its independence on July 4th, and much like Walt Disney, uh, I love America and all that it stands for and represents, we, we thought about Disney, not just the man, but the parks and their connections to this country. And look, Walt's life and legacy is the fulfillment of the American dream, right? He grew up in that he grew up in that small American town. He drew patriotic cartoons. He served his country in World War One by lying about his age. But um throughout his entire life it really was sort of that fulfillment of American dream. And and Walt always felt that America was very, very important to him. He believed in this country, the people and its future, and the way of life. Um, and even there's been many times on the WW Radio show and on the blog, we've talked about Walt and his connection to America, including top 10 Walt Disney quotes on America, which I will link to in the show notes. But Walt's love of America also made its way into the Disney parks, starting in Disneyland from the very beginning, when Walt said that Disneyland would be a world of Americans, past and present, seen through the eyes of my imag- imagination, 
a place of warmth and nostalgia, of illusion and color and delight. And so this week, we're going to look at 10 ways that Disney parks have celebrated America. And joining me once again is Kendall Foreman. You may remember her most recently from shows such as The Hidden History of Fort Wilderness Adventure House and Sadie Mays, Tomorrowland, Past, Present, and Future, Unrealized Walt Disney World Attractions of the Disney Decade, and many, many more. She's also been a prolific writer on the WWE Radio blog and editor for many years. And this was her idea for the show. So, Kendall, thank you and welcome back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. And interestingly enough, this idea kind of came to me one day. I was watching one of the older features on Disney Plus and in my recommendations popped up the Liberty Story which I had seen on there many times the heading for it, but I had never watched it. And I sat down and watched that recently. And it just brought to mind how many times and ways the Disney parks, both in Florida, California, and even in some international cases have celebrated America. Yeah. And you originally said, yeah, let's talk about 10 ways Disney has celebrated America. And I started to sort of brain dump ideas. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's like so many more ways. We need to cover them all. And I got to about 26 or so before I realized that you were correct. And I think picking 10 of our favorite or most important or impactful ways would be best, although we'll be sure to mention some or all the others we found and remembered. Because you're right. It is present not just in the big and small screen in in television and movies. But there's a variety of ways that America has been present and represented and honored in the parks, whether it be by attractions and parades and exhibits and shows. Um, and, And one thing that was interesting, I think, to sort of note, too, is that, you know, as as America has evolved, Um, the presence in the parks and the representation in the parks. I think the Disney parks have evolved as well to become more culturally aware and sensitive. And while you might not necessarily agree with all the changes, you have to applaud the ability by Disney to adapt to changing times and uh, changing America. Um, Whether it's, I mean, look, even things as, as simple as, you know, Think back to the 50s and 60s when everybody smoked everywhere, (laughs) like not just in the Disney parks, but like on planes and in hospitals. And then it was confined to smaller areas and eventually banned. But even just the naming conventions, right? Disneyland, the Indian War Canoes were renamed the Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes. Other names of attractions or even attractions themselves have been removed. Um, guns in the parks. Uh, forget just in attractions, but the sale of, of fake guns in the po- parks has been removed. And then we're also seeing the retheming and updating of attractions like Pirates and the Jungle Cruise and Splash Mountain. Yeah, and I think, too, especially even going back to that, the Liberty story, if you are are much of a history buff at all and you watch that that compilation it's not exactly accurate (laughs) i mean the ben and me cartoon you know it it alludes to the idea that this little mouse has was actually behind most of benjamin franklin's inventions it's just meant to be kind of a fun introduction for kids to american history but i think that's a good example of you know you started out with a lot of cases where Disney wanted to honor America and, and then they move into more of a, a, a more accurate representation, a more truthful and more authentic representation of American history and of America today. 
Yeah, so let's get right into your list. Um, this was your idea. You are my guest, and I still believe in ladies first. And I'm incredibly curious to see how you were able to, to pair this, what I ended up finding out to be incredibly long list of times and places America's been honored. Um, so please go first. I'm going to take us back to 1986. And again, American history bus might be thinking what significant happened in 1986. But if you know Disney and the Disney parks, you know that they like to extend their celebrations as long as possible. So in 1986, Disney decided to kick off the 200th anniversary celebration of the Constitution, which the Constitutional Convention was held in 1787 and wasn't ratified until 1788. But they decided to start the celebration in 86 so that they could have that coincide with the 15th anniversary of Walt Disney World. And there actually was an anniversary TV special which lasts about an hour and a half, hosted by Betty White and uh, B. Arthur. It is a great special. If you want to watch the whole hour and a half, it is still fun to watch today. But there's a segment about halfway through that specifically was dedicated to this constitutional celebration that they were kicking off. And it featured narration from Charleston Heston. It takes place in the town square of Magic Kingdom. There were flag bearers. There was a large choir. There was a, um, a a choir in authentic colonial garb up on the second story of the train station. It's just incredibly patriotic. I encourage anyone, if you're looking for something to watch on July 4th this year, this will put you in the mood. Um, it also had appearances from Chief Justice Warren Berger, who was the, the head of the constitutional Celebration Commission. He had uh, taped remarks, Senator Edward Kennedy, and also President Reagan at the time had taped a segment that they showed. And then the whole celebration is kind of finished off with Ray Charles playing there in that central part of the town square. But even that just wasn't what it was limited to. They had um, the Spirit of America parade that kicked off shortly thereafter, which was at that time, I believe the biggest parade that they had created. And it included some fantastic floats that represented America from the east to the west coast with um, a lighthouse and a, a farm segment, a giant paddle wheel steamboat, a gold mine, National Parks Observation Tower, and then ending up in California with Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and everybody um, surfing. And then one of the other memorable parts that came with this celebration was Bicentennial Ben. And it wasn't Bicentennial, B-I-C-E-N, Bicentennial. It was bison like the animal, <laughs> a walk around character. And he wore a tricorn hat and he was made to look like Ben Franklin. And um, he was created for this whole celebration by Disney, but created kind of for the whole um, nationwide celebration. And he actually was a walk around character that you could meet. <laughs> I have never heard of that. And now I need to Google and try and find what it, it looked like. Actually, I I reached the end of Google. You know, every time, <laughs> every now and then you will Google something and there will only be so many photos and it'll tell you like at the end, like this is it. You know, we have no more. This That happened with Bicentennial Ben. There's only about three or four photos out there of him. Nice. If you have a picture of Bicentennial Ben from your visit to the parks, um, 
send it to us. If it's not one that you got from Google, send it to me and I will send it to Kendall and I will send you some sort of congratulatory prize and appreciation because you beat the end of Google. Um, For me, Kendall, I went less specific and granular and a little bit more wider and broader stroke. And and I I know I'm, I'm choosing an obvious one here, but it was the first one that came to mind. And it was, while it's common knowledge now, like when I discovered it, going from, you know, three-year-old kid who was a fan in 1971 and as my fandom grew the journey from liberty square to frontierland and that telling of the american story and growth and expansion and journey in three-dimensional format is remains incredibly fascinating to me and and i'm not going to go too far into it and this is not meant to be a shameless plug because you can find them on spotify but if you go and listen to my audio tours of Liberty Square and then Frontierland, I really take you on a very detailed explanation of the journey, sort of step by step, literally through both lands. But it does, I like the fact that it also goes back to Walt, right? And and I love the fact that Liberty Square is unique to Walt Disney World. It, there's no other Liberty Square anywhere else because people in China and Japan just don't understand what a Liberty Square would be but liberty square itself was the fulfillment of one of walt's fondest personal dreams that that extension of his patriotism what he wanted uh liberty street to be in disneyland and he, he talked you know when he talked about disneyland he said look there's there's an american theme behind this whole park and i believe in emphasizing the story of what made america great and it's going to keep it great. And, and and he went on when he was talking about Frontierland, specifically in Disneyland. He says, all of us have cause to be proud of our country's history. And here you can return to frontier America from the Revolutionary War era to the final taming of the Great Southwest. And that journey that you take as you come from Fantasyland and come from the old world, literally across time and the Atlantic into colonial America and sort of make your way from the Hudson River Valley down through Liberty Square, across the Mississippi River, and out to the west, and all of the individual elements that help tell that story, whether it's the replica of the Liberty Bell, the the voice of Mark Twain on the riverboat, the Liberty Tree. Like, I learned so much about real American history researching the audio tours than I did in school, which is not a conviction of the educational process. It's more of a testament to the accuracy and the detail in Liberty Square and in Frontierland. It remains one of my favorite places in the parks, not for the attractions, but for the land itself and the storytelling and the real American history that is presented there. I think it is one of the best educational opportunities in all of Walt Disney World. And I think we did a show about top 10 educational opportunities. This is where I think some of the best ones reside. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, some of those buildings that are literal representations of actual, you know, buildings from colonial America or, or buildings that, you know, still stand today, or even just the small, tiny details like, you know, the, the Thomas Jefferson serpentine wall 
or you know the the sagging shutters or you know the lanterns in the window just there's so much to be found there that it creates like like you mentioned uh, an opportunity for learning more about our history and if you go back to show 192 that is the top 10 educational opportunities in Walt Disney World Well, for my next one, I will eventually get to, you know, permanent things in the parks, but I have to go to an, another. This is just a one day event, but it it's so surprising. I think there's a lot of people that don't know this ever happened, but it's such a significant thing in Walt Disney World history and also American history that Epcot played host to the only time that an inauguration parade was held outside of Washington, D.C. President Reagan, when he was elected to his second term, when they were supposed to have the inauguration in D.C., it was actually negative 20 out that day. Uh, They had invited 50 marching bands to come play, and uh, clearly negative 20 and snow is much too cold for that. So they canceled the parade that day, and... um, Michael Eisner was kind of looking for a way to boost attendance at Epcot to bring some some recognition to that park. It had been open for three years and he, you know, got a hold of the White House and said, hey, we we would love to hold a postponed parade on Memorial Day in Epcot. And they contacted as many of those those bands from all over the country. And it turned out there were 18 of them that were able to come. And you can, this actually was an hour and a half long special that aired uh, on TV and you can find that on YouTube. It's very interesting to watch. Uh, President Reagan and First Lady Nancy Reagan flew in by helicopter and landed behind the American Adventure. And then they came out and they did a motorcade that circled the entirety of the World Showcase Promenade, came back to the American Adventure. And this was before the America Gardens Theater had the, the roof over it. And so there was a viewing platform there for Reagan and for Michael Eisner and a couple other, you know, secret service members and things to sit in. And they they sat there and watched as all those different bands got to come by and play for the president. And and then the president gave some remarks also. And so this is just very interesting is just a a moment in time um, to go back and watch it today to see, you know, um, the, the president at that time to see the American patriotism at that time, they estimated that there was like 60,000 people in the park that day. And most of them had no idea that this was going to even happen. Um, actually one of our writers on the blog, Kathy, several years ago, she was there that day. And she recalled how when they got to the park, they had no idea. And, and they even didn't really know until there was a, a PA system announcement that the president was going to be showing up. And, and she recalled, And if you watch the video, you can see one of the bands actually was from Holland, Michigan, and they marched in wooden shoes. And this band still does this today, but that's a really cool moment to see, too. And I think that's what just makes it a great celebration of America as well, that that Disney invited all of these different bands to come in. And you just see so many different people from across the country and just uh, they they had fireworks. They had F-16 fighter jets that flew over. Just very patriotic moment. I love that for so many reasons, right? Because number one, that's a deep cut, right? That's that's one that probably a lot of people never thought of or imagined. And I think two, it's significant the idea of 
a sitting U.S. president coming to, you know, a theme park. It's coming to Walt Disney World for such a, a momentous celebratory occasion. And it, it's funny when you said that, it got me thinking. And forgive me if I steal one that's on your list because I don't mean it to be. I tried to think about other times that a president was actually in the park. And I remembered back to January of 2012 when President Obama came and gave a speech in Magic Kingdom, like on Main Street USA with Cinderella Castle right behind him. And what an opportunity that was to have a president, you know, a sitting president be in the parks to either celebrate something or to to give us, like in the Obama case, to give a speech. I am glad to be at Disney World. Yeah, definitely. And I, I actually, I think um, George H.W. Bush also gave a speech at one point in time. Um, I think it was when he was president. It might have been when he was vice president. But yeah, it's just, yeah, very interesting to think about having that experience of seeing the president in a theme park. Oh, and another interesting thing that happened that day, too, just uh, as a Disney side note, this was the first time that Mickey appeared in Epcot. Really? Because up to that point, yeah, up to that point in time, I mean, we all know, like, they wanted Epcot to be character free. And and on that special, you can hear them mention that, that Mickey's there in kind of an Uncle Sam type get up. And that was his first appearance there. He met he met Nancy Reagan and and led her into the viewing platform. I love that. Uh, that's an that is an amazing trivia question right there. Of course, there's one other time that there was a president in Walt Disney World, but we are not going to focus on Nixon's <laughs> "I am not a crook" speech at the Contemporary <laughs> Resort. Um, for me, Kendall, I went to something that is is remains here. Uh, I think is one of the most significant yet overlooked experiences that everybody should attend at least one time um the flag retreat which has been part of walt disney world since day one is such i think such a significant gesture uh, every day at five o'clock even while covid was going on right this was still being done every day while covid was going on there is a retreat ceremony for the flag where the Pledge of Allegiance is given. There's a trumpet fair, uh, fanfare and the, sparse, the Star Spangled Banner plays as the American flag is lowered. This, this retiring of the colors ceremony as it's being taken down for the day uh, takes place with, uh, you know, members of cast members from Walt Disney World. But there's also a veteran that is selected by cast members at the Magic Kingdom each day to take part in that ceremony. And they have the honor of carrying the flag a short distance down Main Street, USA. And this tribute to this country and more important, the gratitude it shows to veterans for their service. And and I think they deserve all of the applause and thanks and recognition we can give um, for the services and the sacrifice that they and their families make in protecting our country is incredibly important. Um, And if you've never seen it, uh, whether you are from America or not, I think it's important to at least watch um, every, at least watch once. And again, it takes place every day. And um, back on show 108, we talked about Walt Disney World from a military perspective. And a friend of mine came on who is a veteran to talk about 
veterans uh, mil- from the veterans and uh, active service people in the parks and and the ways that they can enjoy the parks and even some special things that are afforded and available to them. And we talk a lot about that flag retreat ceremony. So I invite you to please go back and take a listen to show 108. Yeah, the flag retreat definitely most definitely made my shortlist just because it's that whole aspect again of a celebration of not just the like the symbolism idea of America or the government of America, but it really does end up being a celebration of everyday Americans. Like you mentioned, you know, every day there's a new veteran who's honored there. And I, I love that it continues to this day. Um, For my next one, I'm going to go with the big elephant in the room. And that is the American adventure complex. And I will try not to take down like five things at once here, but you most definitely could just, I mean, just the building itself um, is, is a tribute to America. Um, if you read the uh, Imagineering Field Guide for Epcot, they specifically note how that whole building is red, white, and blue. Like there's the red bicks of the building, the red promenade, the, the white columns, the white trim, the blue fountain, the blue sky backdrop. And it's just such a, such a subtle thing, but it was so intentional. And then you move inside and you have the rotunda with the Voices of Liberty. You have the paintings that we discussed back on show 646 when we talked about the top 10 art pieces you have the american heritage gallery that's there and i'm trying not to go into detail with these in case they're on your list um the the hall of flags leading to the show but ultimately this fantastic show that i love because it you you don't want to get too harsh with a show in a theme park but i feel like the American adventure shows both our strengths and our weaknesses. It shows some of our lowest times. It shows some of our peaks. It shows overcoming. I think that it does a great job of offering up who we are as Americans to international guests. It, I mean, I defy you to not get teary eyed as you watch that finale. And I, it, it's just so moving, even just from the simplest scenes, like my favorite scene in the whole show. Well, actually, let me back up for just a second. The If you read that Imaginary Field Guide, they also mentioned something in there that I think is it was really important in the development of that show. And it said it said whenever possible, the story is told from the perspective of the common man. And that originally they were going to have George Washington delivering an inspirational address to the troops on atop his horse. But now what we see is him sitting atop his horse while these two everyday soldiers have this conversation. And that's what you see time and time again. And that's where I was going to go with my favorite scene in the show is the Great Depression scene. And just these common people sitting on that porch. And it's it makes me think every time of one of my, to me, one of the most impressive pieces of literature I've read, which is the grapes of wrath. That scene is like grapes of wrath brought to life. And I recently found out that's actually based on a photo by Dorothea Lang, who um, was famous photographer from the great depression. She's if, you know, most people would recognize the migrant mother photo from the great depression. She also took the, the photo called crossroads general store. Um, 
and it was taken in North Carolina in 1939. And I encourage listeners go, you know, go look up the photo. You will see that, uh, you know, immediately that that's the inspiration for that scene. But just, I, I feel like that show is just such the epitome of America. Very high on my list. It, it, it was number two behind that that movement from Liberty Square through Frontierland, and you echoed everything that that I had as some of the reasons. And I love, and I agree with you a thousand percent that it's a very moving tribute to not just the best parts of America, like warts and all. This is who we are, right? And it is such an incredible example of our patriotism. And while it is this celebration of her people and all that it has, that that all that they have accomplished, it does also shine a light on some of the parts of American history, which are not shining as examples of us being at our best. We are human, individual and collectively. And I also love just, you know, you mentioned some of the choices that were made by a match earring in terms of design and placement, right? They they wanted they, to make sure this building did not look governmental or official. They wanted it to be approachable, which is why they used a sort of English Georgian architecture for the facade, even the placement of it. It was originally supposed to be as you went from Future World to World Showcase, it was going to be right there front and center the decision was, no, let's put it, yes, directly across the lagoon so you can see it. It's one of the first countries that you see, but this really is a salute to all nations, including America, not mostly America. I love, you know, we could almost do a top 10 ways America is celebrated inside the four corners of this building. But one of the things that I love are those Spirits of America statues that I think sometimes get overlooked because you don't normally wander through the theater but if you look there are 12 life-size statues on either side of the theater that represent things like individualism independence compassion discovery freedom heritage self-reliance and there's one there's a cowboy that represents that spirit of individualism which is on the the closest to the stage on the left-hand side of um the theater and it is like i said it's 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 a celebratory journey, um, not just about how far we've come, but how far we can go. And if you go back to show 22, um, we did a very, very deep dive, an American Adventure DSI, Disney Scene Investigation, back on show 22, all about the history and where it is and maybe what the future holds for the attraction as well. And by the way, I love, love, love Golden Dreams. I love that song so very much. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. That's that. That's one of the, like the, the one of the most played songs on my <laughs> on my iPhone. I think. <laughs> What's next for you? I think you're. I think you're up. Oh, oh yeah, that was that one was mine. Oh, that's good. So I got to talk a little bit about it without actually taking. Away. <laughs> I'm going to. All right, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to talk about America by leaving America. And Ken was like, "What are you talking about?" I'm going to the American waterfront in Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, uh, again, I won't go too deep into this. We do a full recap of our trip to Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea back on show 503. 
But in Tokyo Disney Sea, one of the lands there is the American waterfront, which is huge. It's, it's it's almost half the size of all of Disney Sea, and it is this idealized snapshot of America at the turn of the 20th century, where you can travel in vehicles from the early 1900s. There's the Tower of Terror Hotel from the 1912s, from from 1912, but you get this representation of what New York and what the the seaside village of Cape Cod looked like in this sort of twist on Main Street USA, this idealized way that Americans and history would like to remember it, right? This this New York City, this bustling city in the early 1910s, that wonderful elevated railway, the classic theater, the harbor, the SS Columbia. There's a, a huge um, backstory that's created about Harrison Hightower and his obviously connection to the Tower Hotel. There's a number of different attractions there as well. There's a Cape Cod area. There's a Teddy Roosevelt Lounge in the Columbia. Um, even just some of... The shops, like I, one thing I noticed when I was there too, like there's a McDuck's department store with which is this big, beautiful, opulent, you know, sort of department store like thing, and then right next to it is this little sign like for McDuck's pawn shop, and it shows sort of the two different sides of New York at that time, you know, the very rich and then those who were just coming over trying to sort of make their way. It's beautiful. It's immaculately clean, clean as all of Tokyo Disney Sea is, uh, and it's absolutely spectacular. And this is where I start thinking that I want to do another group trip out to Tokyo Disney Sea. But again, if you go back to show five hundred three, we talk about this and all of Tokyo Disney Sea in a lot greater detail. But the American waterfront and that sort of Main Street USA like representation of the northeast part of the country in the early 1900s is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, in prep for this, and you mentioned that as we were going back and forth, um, and it, it hadn't really crossed my mind until you said something. And I've seen pictures over the years of various parts of the American waterfront, but I actually decided to dive in and watch a walkthrough video of that. And I I was, a, like you say, I was astounded by the size of that area and just the scale of so much of what is there. And, but I just have to say, how is it that Tokyo gets a New York deli and we couldn't have one on the streets of America? Listen, there's a lot of things from Tokyo Disney Sea. I wish that we could pick up and port over here, but you know, like Disneyland, well, it gives us a reason to want to go. Well, for my next one, I'm trying to decide what things I hope you're going to pick. I'm having a hard time <laughs> choosing between a couple here. Um, I think I'm going to go with something very kind of small and unassuming that is was just impactful for me. Um, obviously, this attraction as a whole deserves to be on this list, and maybe you're going to, to touch on it. But I want to go specifically into the waiting area of the Hall of Presidents and the exhibits that they have on display there. Um, my sister, actually, she studied history in college. And so this is something that was 
big for her and I for me to share this with her whenever when the last time that we were there. Um, getting to see all of the artifacts that they have on display from the American presidents. And they're constantly rotating uh, what's in there. There's items from the presidents and also dresses from the first various dresses that the first ladies wore to inaugurations and other events. But uh, over the years, there's been things like George Washington's coffee cup and saucer, or Woodrow Wilson's golf club, or, you know, John Adams family seal and coat buttons, just small things like that. But to stand there and consider that these are real things, these people held these, you know, the, the first president of our country drank out of that cup. Like it, and that sounds like such a funny thing to say, because who, you know, who wants my cup, but, <laughs> but it's just amazing pieces of history sitting there. And, and I just have to give a shout out to, to my favorite piece that they have. I'm not sure if it's still on display now or not, but the last time I was there, it was, was James A. Garfield's clock tower calendar. And it's just this little wooden clock that um, the date that it shows on it is July 2nd, 1881. And, and in the plaque that's with it says that every day when he would arrive to the office, he would wind this up and set it to the correct date. But um, on July 2nd, he, he had done that in the morning. He left for the train station where he ultimately was shot and he never returned to the office. So that clock has sat for you know almost 150 years on that same date. And so that's just a, a really interesting piece of history. And I think, you know, obviously you can go to places like the Smithsonian and see things like this, but it's not something that you expect to walk into Magic Kingdom Park and see. And I think that's what's so cool, too, is it makes American history very accessible for for children, for, you know, foreign visitors to see these, you know, items of our history and hopefully spurs maybe, you know, kids to get interested in studying more. No, I love that. That's a great pull. And I think so many people oftentimes don't look around in some of those waiting areas and see some of the, the true treasure troves of American history. And look, I, I think I think it, it bears I think the Hall of Presidents itself bears mentioning. I want to qualify this by saying I mean, I want to say I am the least political person like on the planet. I, I really am like I don't get involved. in the po And it's a shame that over the last number of years, the Hall of Presidents, unfortunately, I know it's political by definition, but it wasn't always. And it's become so politicized and, and the cause of stress and anger and upsetness and all of this, this very passionate feelings that we as Americans have for a variety of different reasons. And I think the show gets lost sometimes because of political feelings before you even walk in the door as opposed to looking at the story that's being told the recognition of the many 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 presidents you know that came early on in America's history that helped shape the foundation of this country and i think it's a shame that that i think a lot of people have um bypassed it or chosen not to go for whatever reason Look, remember when Amer when the attraction first opened, it was an e-ticket attraction. Like it was right up there with Twenty Thousand Leagues and Space Mountain. And again, you know when Walt Disney World opened, nineteen seventy one, 
there was a lot of that excitement. I'm sure we'll talk about it more than once of the upcoming bicentennial. And there was this incredible sense of patriotism in the country. And that is why the attraction was so popular. It was so popular. How popular was it, Lou? It was so popular that if you go by that marketplace stand outside the Hall of Presidents, there's that covered walkway in between. That covered walkway was built as a covered queue because the lines for for Hall of Presidents were hours long. And it was built to accommodate so people weren't standing out in the sun. Uh, My hope one day is that people allow themselves to go back in. And even if you don't want to think about, you know, recent history, you go back and allow yourself to really take advantage of not just what is in the lobby, but what is in the show itself. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you that it it is such a spectacular show. And it, my favorite version of the script for that show was actually during the the Barack Obama era, not specifically for his speech, but for the the rest of that script was fantastic at just really getting across how this the the American president comes from the American people. At the end of the day, this is just a man or someday a woman who was one of us and is given this incredibly difficult job. And there were very poignant moments in that script with Abraham Lincoln and with Teddy Roosevelt and and others and and I I agree too. I hope that that people can return to that show and and take the time. I mean, I know right now Joe Biden's portion, he just recites the oath of office, but even, you know, the ones prior, Disney did a fantastic job. If you really just stop and listen to the words that are being said of, of writing speeches that were, were applicable and for no matter which side of the aisle you land on. I mean, they, they did a really, in my opinion, a really good job of just discussing things that are truths of America no, I agree. Um, I think it's back to me. Yes. So there's a late entry on my list, which is so ridiculously obvious. I was beating myself up this morning. I'm like, you idiot. How did you not? Because something came to mind and it started snowballing. And once again, I know that I'm stating the obvious, but sometimes you need to look at it from by stepping back and from a 30,000 foot view and specifically here in Walt Disney World, and then as I started thinking even more, in many of the resorts, in many of the, the parks around the country, the resorts themselves are wonderful representations and opportunities to learn and listen and taste and appreciate what the different areas of this incredibly wide and diverse country are. The resorts of Walt Disney World take us to so many of the different places and the different cultures, the different architecture, etc., that this country has to offer. Old Key West, the Polynesian, Grand Floridian, Coronado, even the history of America in with Pop Century, the Orleans Resorts, Fort Wilderness and the Lodge, Yacht and Beach. The American people forget that the American Southwest and that Grand Canyon Concourse was the theme and really sort of remains the theme of Disney's contemporary resort, Atlantic City at the Boardwalk, Saratoga Springs, Trias Villas, even the all-star resorts celebrate American movies and music and sports. And then around the world, I love the fact that for guests from other countries who may not be able to come here, 
they can in Hong Kong experience the Explorer's Lodge and the Hollywood Hotel. In Paris, there's the Disney Hotel New York, Sequoia Lodge, Hotel Cheyenne, the Newport Bay Club, the Hotel Santa Fe, even in Tokyo, the Tokyo Celebration Hotel, and in, in Disneyland, the Grand Californian, they all take a piece of America and they represent it in this place that you get to live for a short period of time and play and eat. And I love being able to understand and learn a little bit more about places that we might not get to visit otherwise, or maybe inspire us to actually go get in the family truck store or get on a plane and go and visit in the future. Yeah. I love that. That's a great poll. Um, yeah. And, and, and so many of them even have like literal historical items or cultural items, you know, like you mentioned, like wilderness lodge, you know, has several things like that, that a lot yeah, of that's a Amer- great yeah, native American artifacts and things like that there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, it, I, I'm going to go with the, the another celebration, the bicentennial celebration in 1975 took place on both both coasts, and there was this specific celebration, um, and then there were also some smaller things that this kind of ushered in as well. Um, but the biggest part of the bicentennial celebration was America on Parade. And I kind of got a little more interested in America on Parade whenever we did our last show together on the, you know, the Fort Wilderness Funhouse and Sadie May. And I, and um, just a little self-promotion plug tomorrow on the WDW radio blog, I have a big piece coming out um, on the history of Sadie May, which involves America on Parade. And I actually had the opportunity to interview um, or, you know, work back and forth with a gentleman who his grandfather was the the original owner of Sadie May. And so that'll be a really interesting read just as far as some American history and things. But outside of that, the American Parade, the, the soundtrack of that was recorded on Sadie May. It included, you know, classic American songs, you know, Yankee Doodle, Battle Hem of the Republic, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, you know, Turkey in the Straw. And, um, I think th- this it just bears mentioning this parade too because it is the one where you get the the eight foot people of America <laughs> with the giant heads and um, that eventually gave birth to the people of the world that were the walk around characters in Epcot and this this parade you know kind of like what we mentioned with the American Adventure it it shows some high points and it shows some <laughs> some low points because you have you know, some very crazy floats at times. One of them is is a, a pilgrim girl being disciplined in a, in a dunk. <laughs> I think they called it like a dunk seat or something like that. But um, that's just a very strange parade float. But then there's also, you know, there's, there's Benjamin Franklin and Betsy Ross and, you know, the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, just lots of memorable moments, lots of very, you know, classically American things like baseball and, and then the, the iconic giant, however many stories tall sandwich that everyone sees from that that was part of the Sunday picnic in the park section of the parade. And uh, with the, the bicentennial celebration, 
in 76, they also did a TV special that Red Skelton was featured on and just featured a lot of parts of, of Disneyland and, and Walt Disney World and a lot of, it has a really um, a neat segment with Red Skelton explaining word by word to a group of children the Pledge of Allegiance and what all of that means. And and then as I mentioned, this, the, you know, the Bicentennial Celebration is what ushers in the, you know, the American finale of the Main Street Electrical Parade and, you know, the the American portion of the electrical water pageant, just, and even the return of great moments of Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland. This was just, Disney was all in on the Bicentennial. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, I remember I was, <clears throat> I was a kid back then, you know, for the Bicentennial. And I remember everything everywhere was, was really sort of leading up to this huge event and that's exactly huge is exactly how Disney did it. This was on my list, too. This was a big parade. I don't mean just big in terms of spectacle, like the floats were big. The characters were freakishly big when they were at Epcot. Borderline frightening for children like there. Wait, there were no humans in this parade. There were no humans whose faces weren't hidden except for who? I think when I watched it, I think I saw Snow White. No. On a Everyone, float. every character was covered, was a, a covered face character, except as part of the finale, they would have a band from a high school or college. Oh. Those were the only human. There you go. Band, obscure, stupid Lou Mangiello trivia. That's what you get. Um, but the parade was shown twice a day. And like you said, the, the floats, I remember... There was a float that had like a biplane and then another plane and a train. And they were all sort of like jumbled into one giant float with this giant rocket ship on the back. There was like a character hanging off the rocket ship like Spider-Man flying into, into space in um, in Infinity War. But it was about this people of America and, you know, their flying machines. There was athletes. There was a giant snack food like there was a food, there was an American food float that had like ice cream and popcorn popping out of the top and like a giant, like, like, uh, I was going to make a really obscure Popeye reference, but there was like a giant, like 18 layer sandwich with like lettuce hanging out. It was very, very strange. Um, I remember there were some Disney characters on there, like Scat Cat from the Aristocats was on there too. But they really wanted to commemorate this bicentennial in a very, very big, very, very impactful type of way. Um, and again, Google, if you can, some of the images of the characters, the, the people of America characters that were used in Epcot when they were given new costumes in international costumes and they were wandering around and meeting and greeting guests in World Showcase. Interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Kendall, for next one on my list, I'm going to... I, I was going to save it for last because I, I, I think it's it's really important, but I also don't want you to steal it from me, so I'm going to... I think to, this is last. Is it last? I Listen, I can't count. Clearly, Wait, I can't. Yeah, quit counting. It does, yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Um, you know, when we talk about American and we'll, we'll talk about, I mean, I know that there's a lot more probably on our honorable mentions list. I'm not going to go into too 
too much granular detail, but I'm going to point you to show 537 because when we talk about America, we're talking about presidents and places and history and patriotism. And I think we sometimes forget or lose sight of those people who were here first. And on show 537, we talk about Native American references in the Disney parks. Uh, I was joined by Paul Gowder, who runs powwows.com. And we talk a lot, not just about the parks, but we talk about Walt and Lillian. And again, I won't go into too much. uh, Early Disney animation in terms of the, the representation of Native American culture, for better or for worse sometimes. Again, you know, sometimes showing some of the warts. And then in the parks, uh, going back to Disneyland and Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes, in Walt Disney World, uh, the Liberty Square Riverboat, we talk about uh, Pocahontas and her forest friends, American Adventure. And it's actually a pretty deep rabbit hole because it's not just in places like Liberty Square or the American Adventure, but it's in places like Canada, Small World, Wilderness Lodge, some of the other resorts restaurants, even ceremonies that take place, um, and other representations, some of which are no longer in the parks. And you might think now, anyway, I'm thinking of um, the Cigar Store Indian, for example, on Main Street USA or in Frontierland, some of the other places on attractions as well, and and some of the lost attractions, um, and even some that are currently represented throughout uh, the different resorts, but I think when we talk about America, it's it's not just sort of the, you know, the expansion of America going west and, you know, coming over to the new world. It really is also making sure that we include and we recognize um, and honor the Native American references in the parks as well. And again, that's show 537. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, I love that. And that's a great show, too. So are we gonna so is that move sort of, to honorable <laughs> mentions or I think we I think we have to because there's a lot. Like there there's a yes. lot of honorable mentions. And I know we sort of touched on a few of them. I sort of broke it down in my mind. I broke it down by attractions, parades, exhibits, other places in the parks, uh, unrealized efforts overseas. And then there were some things that just didn't fit in anywhere. Like, I just didn't know where to include some of these other historical references or moments in the parks. Were there any that didn't make your list that sort of jumped to the top that you sort of feel bare, like, specific mention before I just sort of rattled Um, them off? If if we're going, yeah, if we're going to go by your categories, I think two in the in the attractions area, you have to. I mean, we can only pick ten, but you have to give recognition to great moments with yeah. Mr. Lincoln. It was tough leaving um, it off the list. It was really yeah. tough leaving it off the list. And and I love uh, when you go back and look at the history of that. That Walt felt that that was so important for people to see that show when they moved it to Disneyland. That they included a free that was a free ticket mm-hmm. for for children to go in and see that. It you know it was in the ticket book of of all the junior you know junior tickets. And then um, and under so attractions I mean, to I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say and it, you know we have to 
it's the first audio animatronic figure and you know the paul freeze narration um even two i, I know now I, I believe two brothers from american adventure mm-hmm. plays in in that show still as well yeah and then the other other attraction that i thought too just is a that's a great representation of america was america the beautiful mm-hmm. um just a great travel log and it, it features some places like I love that in that, if you go back and watch that show, you know, that was in Tomorrowland in the seventies that my, one of my favorite features in it was that you see um, Lakeshore drive in Chicago, mm-hmm. just not, you know, just some locations that you don't always see get recognized in something like that. You know, America beautiful was on my list and I never actually got to it and was on my list because it, it started off as well, it was started off as a Circarama film, but it started off, it actually opened at the Brussels World Fair in 1958, came to Disneyland in 1960, and then it was reshot as a Circle Vision 360 for the Tomorrowland, and then obviously ended up coming over to um, Walt Disney World as well before it was followed there by American American Journeys. Um so we also, I mean, other attractions we didn't even get to was America Sings, um, mm-hmm. the Muppets' great moments in American history. I think sort of it has to bear. That was history. one of the ones I toiled with on my list because I loved the the great moments in American history. I loved the the irreverence of it, and so maybe maybe it doesn't deserve to be on Celebrations of America. But you know, I mean, you have to sometimes just not take yourself as seriously, and yeah. and. You know, Miss Piggy is Paula Revere and just, you know, pulling out the stick horse for Paula Revere's ride. And I I love that show. Sometimes making something fun lets you learn more without making you feel like you're learning. And again, takes away some of, you know, we mentioned and alluded to before sort of the, the politicalization of things and sort of the ickiness sometimes that it makes people feel. You said this as a go with me. I almost put it on my list, Carousel of Progress. It literally is a journey through American history in the American household. Like, it almost was very high on my list, Kendall, because I think it really does take us on this journey through, you know, quote-unquote, somewhat, sometimes typical, traditional, whatever you want to call it, representation of idealized, like Main Street USA, idealized America. And it has literal Fourth of July celebration too. Exactly. So. <laughs> Look, you know, I never even I didn't get to it. Main Street USA was number three on my list, and I just didn't get a chance to sort of go down. I mean, for all the reasons, and I and I won't go too deep into them. I'm only referring to the audio tours because it did allow me sort of the width and the breadth to go and talk about this in terms of this sentimental and evocative and colorful and symbolic and and theatrical representation of the American dream and the work ethics that helped to build this great nation. Um, So we would be very much remiss. And I consider it almost an attraction in and of itself. Um, We talked about America on parade, some of the main street electrical parade floats um, that you mentioned, the presidential inauguration parade for Reagan, uh, the finale of the electrical water pageant and the giant American flags there. 
Uh, you talked about the Hall of Presidents exhibits. There's also the American Heritage Gallery, which at one point held a Native American exhibit. I know right now in the rotunda is the Spirit of Jazz. There's a ton of great artwork there. I don't remember exactly what is in the um, American Heritage Gallery right now, but I love the fact that it is a rotating exhibit and is updated every couple of years to showcase different people, different cultures, different times in American history. Um, You mentioned a lot in terms of some of the other things in the parks, Voices of Liberty. Uh, We talked about the resorts, some of the unrealized efforts. I know we've talked about in the past, Disney's America, the St. Louis waterfront and Liberty Street. Um, And we also didn't mention Nixon being kidnapped on the Disneyland monorail on opening day. (laughs) Uh, was there anything that I missed in there as I sort of quickly ran through the honorable mention list? I think we at least touched all of them by name that was on my list as far as in the parks. Other than, well, no, actually, food, Liberty Tree Tavern, oh, and Columbia yeah. Harbor House, both. <laughs> and also, I think you can even make the argument for some of the food and wine festival booths, too, like, yeah. you know, the Appleseed Orchard, oh, yeah. the Lobster Landing, and. Go back years ago. It, it breaks my heart that they don't do this anymore. The cranberry bog, and oh, how right. cranberries are one of like the few native fruits to <laughs> the United States. Like, and that was such a cool thing to see that something that you know most Americans don't have any experience with. You know, the celebration of you know that portion of the country where they have those cranberry bogs was that was a very cool thing. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about this too, Kendall, as we were we were getting ready for it this morning. You know. We talk about how times change and things change and people change and and today times are different. And I think sometimes convincing a child, a young adult, or sometimes even an adult to go and sit, not to get, not to go into air conditioning, but to go and sit and watch a film or even watch a film that has a single animatronic figure talk about the history of America and the people who made it is tough, right? With so many other things that you can do and experience in the parks, there's nothing fancy, there's nothing showy, there's nothing high-tech, nothing blows up, right? There's no motion or or sensation of movement other than the emotional one that we feel. But I very much believe strongly that these attractions, these shows, these films, they have their place, they should remain, and we need to be reminded sometimes where we came from, how we got here, the people who brought us here, and the optimistic possibilities our future holds. Like I said at the beginning, you know, like all of us human beings, America is not perfect. And, you know, but she is our home and we love her and protect her. And I do, I get emotional. Like we need to defend her and be proud of her, like warts and all. Um, and and I wonder what might be coming next in terms of other attractions, other shows, other exhibits that will uh, allow that to happen. Is there anything that you wish you could add to the parks to celebrate America in some way? Wow. Um, that's a huge question. I, I think... You know, you mentioned that about drawing people in something that's flashy 
And I'm not sure where the rights sit with this, but I think something that maybe would would really draw some people in is if you could, you know, whether it was during Festival of the Arts or over Fourth of July or something, but if you were able to pull in Hamilton from mm-hmm. Disney Plus and and you know kind of bring that to the you know the the America Gardens Theater or something like that, I think that would be a very cool addition just being able to do some performances of that because that has hit so many, you know, millions of people over the last several years. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's tough because what is there is such a, a great representation. If you can get people in the door. Right. Hamilton's, a, I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant idea because you're right. It did introduce not just so many generations of, of so many, so many young people in that generation but older people as well and i think hopefully taught them more about real american history but i would also love to know from you either what idea you would have for something you would add to the parks or resorts or even your favorite way that disney has paid tribute to america in the parks what did we miss what do you miss is there something that's gone that you miss there's a lot of ways you can let me know You can come be part of the community and conversation over in our Facebook group in the WDW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I will put that question there. You can also email me, lou at www.radio.com, or better yet, call the voicemail. I'll play it on the air at 407-900-9391. And then please go over to the WW Radio blog. You can search for Kendall's name. I'll also link to her articles there, including the one that's going to be posted later on this week. Kendall, thank you so much, not just for yet another great idea, but your passion and preparation and insight into so many of these wonderful, sometimes unique ways that we have seen America represented and paid tribute to in the Disney parks. Yeah, absolutely. Great conversation. And now I'm just wishing I could have lunch at Columbia Harbor House. I was just, I was just thinking, God, like, how did I not mention, like, the barbecue in American Adventure? Top 10 American foods in all, wait, top 10 all American foods in Walt Disney World. Yeah, Casey's. If only there was somebody, anybody who could go do that research with me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm literally trying to think, can I get a show out like that before July 4th? just so I have an excuse to go to the parks. Oh, you can do it. I think I can do it. (laughs) Well, Mr. Twain, what do you think of our America now? I think the founding fathers never dreamed of an America like this. (laughs) Of course not. We weren't dreamers. We were visionaries. time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details what you see, hear, remember, or maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. I mean it. I'm not kidding. Because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life Every live broadcast, all the contests and giveaways, they are all thanks to you and by, for, with, and about you. You can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month 
and get cool exclusive rewards every single month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, participate in our group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, their shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, early access to special events, and much more. And most importantly, don't forget that a portion of your contribution goes to our Dream Team project to help benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Thanks to you, we've raised more than $500,000 for Make-A-Wish Foundation of America to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families come to Walt Disney World to find out more and be part of the nation, visit www.radio.com support. I want to quickly thank some new and longtime members like Emma Harmon, Gretchen Marie, Paul Reddick, Keith Groshans, and Jackie Saltera. I sincerely love and appreciate you again. To find out more, visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I was talking to you about Paul Freeze, who, as you know, is the voice of the ghost host in the Haunted Mansion, but he was also the voice of other attractions in Walt Disney World. And last week, I asked you to tell me what other character in a Walt Disney World attraction did Paul Freeze voice. I want to thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew, of course, that he was, still is, the auctioneer in Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, Paul Freeze has a very long and storied career, not just on TV and films, but in the Disney parks. I'll do a full show about Paul Freeze coming soon. But he was the narrator of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, as we talked about this week, the extinct adventures through inner space in Tomorrowland, and the Pirates of the Caribbean attractions around the world. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were once again playing for a limited edition WW Radio pin, keychain, and bonus mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Sarah Pepe. So, Sarah, congratulations. I will get your prize packet out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, speaking of voices and what they had to say, this week I'm going to ask you to tell me where in the world have you heard this phrase? Ah, that's no big deal. Anybody can do that voice-activating stuff. Watch this. Where in Walt Disney World can or could you hear that phrase? You have until Sunday, June 26th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on the Sweet Podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for the pin, the keychain, and a bonus mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Please come be part of the community and conversation over in the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me elsewhere online. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you have a question or comment you'd like me to play on the show, you can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-9391 with a question, comment, or just a hello from the parks. Please also join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live, where we talk, walk, and ride from the parks 
or when I broadcast from the home studio with my top five live, we talk about our Disney Plus pick of the week. We discuss this week's show and this week, tune in on Wednesday for a new interactive game. The last few weeks, we've been doing some interactive trivia contests with prizes. I'm testing a new game, no trivia knowledge required, but it's a fun way for you to participate, maybe win a prize as well. And tune in this Wednesday for a very special announcement about an upcoming live broadcast that you are not going to want to miss to say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity is not necessarily hyperbole tune in this wednesday also as much as i love connecting with you online nothing beats a handshake and a hug go to our events page at www.radio.com slash events to find out about our next meet of the month in walt disney world which will likely be the last weekend in july right before our cruise on disney wish our night at the hoopty doo our adventures by disney to wyoming our cruises on the disney wish later this year and our eight night on the Disney Fantasy next year. I'm also working on a few other event concepts that I'm going to announce very, very soon as well. Please also visit lumangelo.com to find out how I can come to speak to your business, your event, your conference, or your school. I can craft a unique presentation specifically designed for your audience and event about customer service lessons we can learn from the Disney parks, leadership lessons we can learn from Walt Disney, all with real-world, actionable content and strategies. Again, just visit lumangelo.com. And I'd also love to help you individually turn what you love into what you do to take your idea, your business, your brand to the next level, whether it's with one-on-one virtual coaching calls. I have two spots left for my weekly Tuesday night mastermind group where we meet each and every week and tickets are now on sale for my momentum weekend workshop this october in walt disney world it is a two-day 50-person event with optional monday mastermind it is filled with inspiration education community and opportunity again you can find out more and register now we are more than 50 percent sold out by visiting lumangelo.com and if and when you're planning your next vacation to a disney destination or anywhere in the world visit our friends over at mousefantravel.com for the best possible prices all available discounts and most importantly an incredible level of personal service that is their hallmark and as always my friend and you are my friend whether we have met yet or not all i ask is that if you like the show Please help spread the word. Tell a friend. Take a second to just rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts and or leave a quick rating over in Spotify Podcasts. I want to thank some recent reviewers like TH who says, I came for the content. I stayed for the community. I found the WWE Podcast for my love of Disney. I've been a lifelong fan since my first visit to the world in 1976. I was interested in the content and topics, which are fantastic. However, I became addicted because of the incredible passion of the community and the infectious, positive Disney vibes of the stellar host, Lou Mangiello. Thank you. Very worthwhile, very interesting, excellent topics, and subject matter experts. Go, Lou. Thank you very much. And most importantly, thank you, my friend, for your time, for your friendship, for the support, for listening this and every week and being part and creating and nurturing this incredible community which you have made possible. You are an example and an example to others of choosing the good and being that positive light you want to see in the world. And I am incredibly grateful to and for you. I hope that this is your best week ever. I hope to see you on the live show this Wednesday night. I love you. Have a great week. See ya. Hi, this is Dom Zamponia at Villa Maria High School. And we just had Lou Mangiello speak to our students. And here are some, and they're going to, tell you uh, what they thought about his talk. 
Hi, my name is Bryn. Not only was his trivia really fun, but he taught really important lessons about how Walt Disney was striving to pursue his dreams and how we should all do the same. So that really was amazing. My name's Charlotte, and it was very inspiring and so great to listen to, and the trivia was so fun. Great. Thank you so much, and Lou, good job. Hey, Lou. Hey, team. Just wanted to uh, say kudos and a great job on the uh, show for Memories of Fantasyland. Excellent work, as always. Um, i got to echo the sentiment about uh, <laughs> new old Fantasyland, even, uh, or old Fantasyland that we used to call new Fantasyland, whatever we want to call it these days. I love to go back there at night, even after the fireworks, when everybody is trying to get out of the park, and just enjoy the low light and to see all the theming and try and follow the you know, the storylines of the, the rides and, and how the Imagineers uh, built that section of the park. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, thanks again for the great show and the great work as always. It is uh, always appreciated. Talk to you later, buddy. Good afternoon, WDW Radio family. I hope that this is the last time that I'm calling in to say this, but this is Victoria Gist from Danbury, Connecticut, however soon to be of Claremont, Florida. Um, I am giddy. I'm walking around uh, Disney Springs right now on my house trip. Um, for those of you who know us from the Marvel Day at Sea Cruise, my husband Seth and I work in entertainment, and we have dreamed of working for Disney Parks for a long time, and he finally got the call, and um, that he had the interview had worked and he was he was going to be accepted into the family. So we are officially moving down to Florida in just over a month. We have a beautiful home we're in the process of purchasing, and soon this walking around Disney Springs is going to be a not so um, unusual thing for me. Um, thank you guys so much for everyone who's kind of given us encouragement when you've heard about our story and um, we hope to see so many of you so more often we can't wait to get to go to meet of the month and um, just see so many of our friends um, we love you all and we're happy to share this happy happy news with all of you bye